Welcome to Helpful Social Work. Social work has the power to change people's lives for the better. This podcast aims to help you learn, think and act with integrity so that people who need social work get help that will transform their lives. Welcome back to Series 8 of Helpful Social Work. I'm Jerry. And I'm Jo. Uh, for Series 8, we're talking about sustainable social work in terms of how we look after ourselves in this vital work. And we're drawing on the evidence of what helps social workers. And so we're referring a lot to the Working Conditions Toolkit from BASWA. Last month, we talked about the importance of being a global profession. And we're getting quite a lot of listens to this series and also getting some new listeners finding previous episodes. Uh, The Equality series is particularly popular. So thank you to everyone for listening. And if this is your first episode, welcome. And we hope you find um, other episodes to enjoy. And uh, just for me, a little thank you to Lizzie, who let me know that she was listening to our podcast as she walked towards the Taj Mahal. I do like a bit of travel. And that's a place I'd like to see one day. So it was nice to hear that we'd been there in spirit, Jerry. Yeah. And what an interesting place to be thinking about social work. Just show that social workers think about social work wherever and whenever they are. <laughs> that's right. On their holidays. Yes. <laughs> uh, so this month we're going to talk about supervision. And we have talked about this often before. If you look at our back catalogue of episodes, it comes up a fair few times just because it's so important. So we don't want to repeat ourselves, but at the same time, some of the things that we say about supervision kind of need to be said over and over because every time there's research Mm. about what supports social workers and helps them to do good work, supervision does come up. Uh, But we also have continual evidence coming through that some social workers are not getting supervision or aren't getting good enough supervision. So I think we'll probably have to keep going on about it for sometime more. Um, I had a look at the most recent research around uh, supervision. As I say, there's there's a lot of research that comes through because it is so pivotal to social work practice. There's an article in the British Journal of Social Work in June 2022 um, by Pia Tham, which is called, it's a nice title, this Not Rocket Science, Implementing Efforts to Improve Working Conditions of Social Workers. And the author was looking at they did a study around the working conditions of child welfare social workers to see if they those conditions would be improved, essentially, if they implemented three things. So there was weekly small group supervision for newly educate, educated social workers. There were team strengthening activities and then there was training for the team leaders. So they looked at this uh, across five teams with 36 social workers and five team leaders. And what they found was, was from the um, beginning to the end of the project, which was two years, they looked at social workers' perception of their working conditions. And after two years, social workers rated several aspects of their working conditions more positively. So more satisfied with um, the the kind of climate that they were working in and with the leadership and also with the collaboration in their work group, which I think links back to what we've talked about around peer support. Also turnover of staff had reduced it had been high, but it's almost stopped and vacancies were now filled. And social workers were more often satisfied with the quality of the of their work. And that was in a context of um, higher demands being reported and more frequent role conflicts, which would be around things like the um, the way that social workers wanted to practice being constrained by the environment. So despite the difficult context, 
satisfaction and quality of work and teamwork and leadership and all these other things went up with this initiative of, of putting in good supervision, team strengthening activities and training for team leaders. Um, and what the, um, the abstract says is, the overall results of this small scale study indicate that working conditions of social workers can be improved after the implementation of rather modest means. So, you know, hence the title, not rocket science. Can we just do the thing that we know is helpful? Um, and of course, that's that's a bit of a rhetorical question. There's lots of reasons that things get in the way. But it just shows, again, how much difference it can make. Yeah, and this chimes, doesn't it, Jerry, with the um, 2012 study that was done by Carpenter and Webb and fed into the research in practice um, workbook in 2016 um, around supervision, which which then had said, look, you know, if you get good supervision, workers are more confident that what they're doing matters, so they have more belief in their own delivery of social work. They're more likely to stay with the organisation um, because they value the relationship between them and the supervisor. Um, and so it really helps with retention and things like that. And so you can see the, the you know, the, the parallels here between that older research coming through into this newer research. And then, as you say, you can see why um, people say, well, it's not rocket science. Yeah. And maybe the maybe the takeaway <laughs> yeah. message from that is even if you can't do perfect supervision, do what you can because it makes a difference. Mm. Uh, and I, you know, I'd mentioned mm. the social work with older people research last time which is the observations and interviews with social workers and people they're working with that looks at the difference that social work can make and what supports them. And of course, supervision comes up as something that supports them. And one of the things that, um, that one of the social workers said, I think is really worth sharing um, about supervision. A lot of times it's about just seeing it from a different perspective, you know, because you may see something through a lens, but then the person you're asking sees it from a different angle and you're able to reason. And sometimes you ask a question and you're doing it right. It's not that you're doing anything wrong. It's just in case you want a different opinion and whether that opinion can feed into what you're doing. So it's around um, kind of a different viewpoint, whether it's from a supervisor or from peers, support or group supervision, but that idea of um, moving your moving your view around so you get more insight into what you're doing yeah and i often say when i'm teaching supervision is that um supervision should be a disruptor it should be something it shouldn't it should, shouldn't just kind of nod along with us um it should actually be disrupting our thinking and and kind of making us stop and take stock and go could it be this or could it be this and you might come back to the same place Mm -hmm. that you started with but you know that it's been thoroughly tested um and so that's yeah i agree with you it's a it's a really important um yeah. thing that, that supervision should do is to help us look at things from different angles and it comes up as emotional support to me in that you know supervision well. sorry i was just going to say um the yeah no no you go yeah. you go no yeah yeah the um the other thing in the social work with older people research project that came through really strongly is the emotional support um someone saying that sometimes they just have to kind of say to themselves well that's as good as I can get it and I have to kind of sit with that but I've but they say I'd have had to have worked on that myself or spoken to somebody about it so you kind of need that um, reassurance or validation or understanding or, or something 
to to manage the fact that there are these role conflict issues and um, dilemmas and you know, moral worries that we have in the work. I'm just being quiet now to make sure I don't um, interrupt you. <laughs> so I feel like I, I cut you off on an important point there, and it is, isn't it, that um, that space that supervision creates to allow people to come in with their emotions. And I think for me, I, I was kind of um, thinking about supervision as being like a belt and braces for my work, which is what you've really described, that idea of all those different views, and also an important touchstone for my ethics and motivations. Because, you know, as a person, I hold strong views and passionate views, and I can just sometimes run away with a feeling, mistake it for a fact, you know, I feel, therefore it's true. And that, that's actually not the case. You know, emotions do provide you with some evidence if you can take the time to decode them and sort them out properly. And for me, supervision has been a place where I'm able to just do that. So kind of stop riding my flair and engage my brain. Um, and when I think back to supervisors, great supervisors that I've had, I've been very lucky to have some really great supervisors. Um, and one of the ones that I've, valued the most, you know, really thoughtful, curious, able to keep focus on the things that mattered. They they accepted my passion and my emotional readings, but they really demanded that I explore that more and that I present the logic and the evidence and the facts of the story more deeply. Um, and that's why I always, I really love tools like Jane Wanacott's discrepancy matrix in the decision tree, mm. because that really helps me apply, um, you know, apply another lens, another way of looking at what I'm processing and the way I process. So if I had to think about, you know, what's most important to me in supervision, I guess it comes down to containment. You know, I want to be able to feel as if I'm safe, to be able to put myself into relational social work, knowing that someone is behind me like an anchor or like a climbing team, you know, someone's belaying for me, standing at the bottom of the rock, feeding the rope, checking for tangles, looking for angles there if I fall. Um, that's the kind of feeling mm -hmm. that I want from my supervision. The action that I want is the thinking and the affirmation I want is that my ethics and motivation and passion has a place alongside the facts and the partnership um, and the the decisions that I'm that I'm making. Now we mentioned the British Association of Social Workers toolkit. It has some elements in there around you know, the factors, really, the things that make supervision kind of good supervision or solid supervision, or maybe using that word that you use, Joe, anchor, kind of the the anchor, the supervision. Um, so it should be accessible and sufficient and timely. Uh, it needs to be reflective and skilled and knowledgeable and consistent and reliable and safe, as, you, as you've kind of mentioned around that safety. It should be a joint endeavour between the supervisor and the supervisee. It should be focused on the people who use social work services and on their outcomes and wishes. It needs to be compliant with a reasonable organisational supervision policy and underpinned by social work values and ethics around promoting equality and rights and justice, or you know, the, the, the kind of questions that you talk about around the three gates. Um, you wouldn't be talking about anything if it wasn't about 
our integrity and, and human rights and social justice. I think it's quite interesting that the toolkit highlights that there should be a policy. I don't usually like the word compliant, uh, but I think what it's what it points to is that you can't just rely on goodwill and good intentions for this to happen. Supervisees generally want good supervision and supervisors want to provide it. So the fact that it isn't happening isn't a matter of kind of intentional motivation. I don't think it's it's about the circumstances around the, you know, the, the, the way in which people are having to work. And so having that policy and expectation around people and that not just permission, but you know, real expectation and kind of monitored expectation that this will happen, I think is is valuable because it means that supervision doesn't fall off, um, you know, fall off the list. Yeah, and I think it also lays out the stall on behalf of the organisation as to what kind of supervisors they want. What kind of supervisors do the does the organisation want? And what are they commissioning their supervisors to do? What are they giving them permission to do? What are they enabling them to do? And all of that should be in the supervision policy. You should be able to look at that policy and go, this is what this organisation wants from its supervisors. This is what it thinks it's offering. Um, and that's always a really good place to start. And there's often a tension, I think, as a supervisor, when what the policy says and what you're asked to do informally rub against each other. So the messages on where to focus that are coming down through emails and conversations are different from where the policy says you should focus. And I think that that can be one of the areas where there's a real um, gap yeah. between intention and outcome. And so I was um, thinking about what the elements of good supervision were. And, you know, the toolkit is really helpful again. Um, and, and it is such a helpful toolkit. And I think when we've, well, I know we bang on about it a bit, but it's because if we can just help people have the right working conditions to thrive, then they're going to do so so much more for the people they're serving. You know, thriving people do more. Um, you know, and so the toolkit obviously thinks about supervision as well, and it and it really talks about approach that combines reflection, support, that safe space, safe challenge. And we haven't talked much about challenge yet. But um, I think that's implicit in what you were saying earlier about those different points of view and, you know, being able to because because we get it wrong sometimes. It's a it's an error rich environment, really. And so we need people to correct us. We, we don't need somebody to just walk off the cliff with us. We need someone who will actually say, you know, you need to turn here, you need to stop, you need to think. Um, that's really important. The toolkit also talks about emotional intelligence and this clarity on standards and expectations, which I think is um, absolutely critical in supervision, is that the supervisee and the supervisor completely understand the expectations of the organisation, of each other and of the people they're serving, mm. um, and that keeping people at services at the forefront and I talked earlier about the research carried out by Carpenter and Webb and Bostock and Coombe in that 2012 briefing, you know, and it is unsurprising. We've, we've already highlighted that, you know, um, 
staff can be retained better if there's a good, strong supervision relationship. So it helps reduce that staff turnover um, and also workers perceive that they're more effective. But as well as that, they appreciate support with their workload and case decisions. You know, when you work in a field where demand is high and the resourcing doesn't always match that demand, you need to know what to prioritise. And a good supervisor should actually support you in doing that, you know, have real clarity of messages about where you need to focus um, and listen to what you say about where, what you're prioritising and why and really test that. Um, and, you know, I just kind of go back to that idea that good supervision offers a space for people to explore their emotions, find ways to understand them, harness them and be curious about what it's telling them in a place of safety. So that kind of um, good, trustworthy, dependable relationship. A good supervisor creates a space in which people thrive in their work, I think. Yeah, when I um, started as a social worker, I had a supervisor like that. And then the second, the next point at which I really, really needed that, I mean, you always need it, but I really needed it was when I became a supervisor myself. And I think those kind of transition points, it becomes particularly important. But since we're talking about supervision, you know, when people kind of go into their first supervisory roles, that um, kind of creation of a space around you where you can think about what you're doing and, and um, be helped to figure it out is really important. And I had at that point both a very good supervisor myself and a really good colleague who'd been a supervisor for you know, decades probably at that point, um, Sheila, who was sitting in the next desk to me. And having that kind of immediate peer support and support up as well was really vital. But I also had a really supportive team, which is another interesting element, isn't it? It's almost like the kind of the new practitioner or the new supervisor needs to have kind of wraparound support. And having experienced social workers and experienced social care workers in the team helped me as well because they had expectations around supervision um, and could help me understand what those needed to be. And I, you know, I was very pulled by the organisational imperative as I saw it to um, monitor kind of against indicators and to make sure that the work was being done, um, being done in a particular way rather than the reflective side of things. And I think that's an easy kind of current to get pulled along in. So having yeah, organisational expectations set by my supervisor that that wasn't you know, the be all and end all and also having the people around me who I could see were focused on quality and um, well-being it really really helped um, and just to say there, there's lots of freely downloadable resources if you're becoming a supervisor um, in, in England that would be relevant you know, anywhere you are that have been developed by research and practice. There's practice supervisor development program both for children's and adult services, which has got lots of tools and videos and you know, films and role modeling and all these things that are just invaluable, really. Yeah, they, they are really great. <laughs> I was thinking of um, moving from the um, dance floor to the balcony, which is one of their tools, which is so helpful um, in helping you learn how to move out of that team mindset into that supervisor mindset, but still maintain the links, which can often be tricky. Yeah, still keep your you talked about moves. having a good team around you. It's yeah, yeah. So 
the other thing that I was thinking about was what happens if you're not getting good supervision because this is something, as you say, we, that we know happens. People don't get the supervision that they need and it can really affect their ability to thrive as a social worker or even to stay in the role. Um, and so for me, the first thing to do is to check that you made your expectations clear. Do you know what you need from supervision? Have you really sat down and thought about that? And do they know what you think you need from supervision? But do you equally know what your supervisor expects? Because they're people trying to do a job and they also need support and clarity around expectations. And they will have a whole idea of what a supervisor looks like in their head. Um, and it might not be the same as what a supervisor looks like in your head. So that's that's the first point of the conversation. Um, so uh, Jerry's mentioned the um, research and practice um, resources and in there there's a supervision expectation tool which can really help you um, clarify what it is that you're both expecting. You really need to prepare for supervision, not just kind of wander in there and that's for both the supervisor and the supervisee um, send an agenda ahead of time that allows the supervisor to think about your needs and what they need to bring to the session in times of resources um, and they can then let you know what they need you to bring to the session so you're both prepared no one's feeling on the back foot it's not a, a thing that you don't know what's happening um, prioritize it don't be distracted if you're willing to let it slip then your supervisor might be too, and then the opportunity is gone and you both start telling each other inadvertently that you're not important and that supervision's not important. And so it can really diminish the relationship if you don't kind of keep those appointments and prioritise them. Think about your supervision contract. Can you even remember what it offered? Is it the same as what you're getting? Did it go into more than just, I call them um, these contracts where it's just like the time and place rather than actually the intention? You want a contract that talks about intention. Jerry's already talked about the supervision policy, but you should know your supervision policy. You should be curious about whether it's fit for purpose. Does it support supervisors to understand their role and what they should be offering? Because it's the scaffolding, that's the scaffolding the organisation puts in place. Um, and it's really important we're all clear about that. So those strategies, they're all based on the idea you can hold a conversation with your supervisor and that they'll be open to challenge. And in other words, that means that I'm imagining that the relationship is still functional. And that's really critical because you can't bring those things to bear unless the relationship's still functional. Yeah, and very often it is, isn't it? I think it can just be the kind of that loss of sight of it. Yeah, so a refocus can be enough, can't it? I think so. And it's also, as you said earlier, that, you know, as a supervisor, you're, you've got all this other stuff coming in on you as well. Um, and you're trying to prioritise all of that. And, and so, yes, you can, you can lose a sense of what's required quite easily. And so you need your supervisee to bring that sense into the into the place and kind of remind you so I, I do think I, I do think Jerry's right you know that that relationship is fundamental in what we do and hard conversations require trust so 
professionals who spend all their time having hard conversations, it should be possible for us to have these conversations with our supervisors. But it doesn't always follow. It, it just doesn't. And I, and I think you've got to try that first. And if you get nowhere after using some of those structural levers of contracts and poli policies and expectations and the relational one of having that hard conversation well, I think you should bring in a third party. I don't think that you should let it just drift and drift. Um, it would be really great to be able to say to your supervisor, we're at an impasse here. And I think we need to bring someone in to help us find a way to make this work. So someone who feels safe to both parties, I guess, is what I'm saying. But if you don't feel safe enough to do this, then you need to go to the next line manager and raise your concerns with the evidence of what it is that you've tried to do and what it is you're concerned about and how it's impacting on you. And if things have got to that stage, it's probably important to have an outside mentor or a supervisor who's supporting you to think about ways to move forward so that you can continue to thrive in your career. And the other thing is I thought about, you know, if you've got a supervisor who's okay, but not really floating your boat, do you know what I mean by that? Just like they're doing what they need to do, but they just don't inspire you in the way perhaps you're looking for. Look for group supervision sessions and training that supports supervision. Find a mentor inside your organisation. They're no substitute for your line supervision, but they can supplement and help you think of strategies to get the best out of your supervision. Um, and, you know, the professional support service um, that's there from provided by Baswa can help with coaching for you to think about how to get the best out of your supervision. But for me, ultimately, supervision is a professional relationship that needs to work and both parties need to put in enough effort. And so before you work or walk away, you really have to ask yourself, did I make my expectations clear? Are they fair? Have I listened to the other side? And really crucially for me, do I feel listened to? Yeah, and we will be talking in this series about um, you know, work support in terms of like when, when workplaces are really unhelpful or there's a problem or there's you know, um, you need things like trade union support or you need to raise issues, mm. which can happen as well. This is more about um, helping you get the best relationship with the supervisor and get the best out of supervision for both of you. Um, and I think, I mean, just to kind of draw this together, people kind of know, don't they, when they've got good supervision and when they haven't and when it's working for them and when it isn't. Uh, that is something that comes a little bit with experience, but there's some real kind of strong tells. So this is worth just bearing in mind and thinking about, OK, how can I get more of this? Um, what can I do to further it? But also, where can I raise questions and come back to the policy if actually it doesn't feel like this for me? So supervision should really be a place where you can share true things, you know, things that you're really experiencing mm -hmm. and really feeling and really thinking. It should also be a place where you can learn something about yourself. Um, which will help you in what you're going to do, given that we are kind of the instrument of our work. It is a personal, a very personal space in that sense. Um, and you do need to kind of gain insight into yourself so that you can go on um, and, and work better with others and bring bring something better to others. Um, but this is the really telling thing. You should leave feeling better than when you went in, even if you've learned something difficult or you've shared something difficult, your integrity should be stronger 
yeah, your well-being should be stronger. Um, the yeah, that sort of sense of self, um, sense of how uh, feeling okay about your work and about yourself should be stronger than when you go in. I think that's the really telling thing. And if you're finding that supervision is um, is an enhancing experience, that's absolutely brilliant. And please tell your supervisor because that will help them too. You know, it's 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 really good to hear when things are working. Um, if you're finding it's a diminishing experience for whatever reason, then find someone to talk to about that and do the reflection to figure out how you can make it be something that really um, holds you up rather than kind of brings you down.